And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What's up? Welcome back to Spin Rate. Here we are. Baseball, it's back. And I, for one, could not be more excited. My name is Drew Fairservice. This is Spin Rate. This is the Athletics Blue Jays podcast. We have so much to talk with you about it's been too long since last we spoke about prospects here we are talking about real actual honest to goodness big league honest to goodness big leaguers doing big league stuff under the auspices of a new collective bargaining agreement which is in a mile in the rearview mirror now as it has been transaction fever running wild through the baseball world to help me and you make sense of all of these transactions and what all of this stuff means, there's no one else I would rather turn to at this moment than the co-host of Spin Rate. She covers the Blue Jays for The Athletic. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. She joins us from beautiful downtown Florida. Caitlin, how are you? <laughs> downtown Florida. <laughs> Down, Florida is a state, sir. I'm in but, beautiful downtown Clearwater. Down, Clearwater is the heart of Florida, and the heart of <laughs> Clearwater is wherever you are. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes. Yes. I'm downtown Clearwater. Downtown, not exactly the way that I would describe Florida's vibe as a whole. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, let's get right into it. Before we get right into it, I'm going to do the part that I do before we get right into it, which is, of course, the housekeeping, which is number one. Spin rate, your Toronto Blue Jays podcast here on The Athletic, where whether or not you are a subscriber, you can subscribe to this show. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. If you get them through Apple, if you get them through Spotify, if you get them through Stitcher, if you get them through Podbean, anywhere like that, Overcast, hook it up. We're coming at you fast and furious here as the baseball season is in full swing and underway. But no actual games being played, but more important than that, transactions. Subscribe to Spin Rate. Give us a like, a rating, a review, any of those things. If you want to help the show out and get the good word, of the good baseball talk that we get here from time to time, every time on spin rate. So hook it up. And of course, the other thing is make sure if you don't subscribe to, if you subscribe to the athletic, you're in the clear, make sure you subscribe to the athletic. You can read everything that Caitlin has to write about the blue Jays. You can read trade breakdowns, uh, uh, transaction breakdowns from all of the experts from Keith law, from Eno Saris, from the national columnists. You can read about the Raptors. You can read about the hockey teams. There are lots of them. Uh, you can read about all of it. And right now there's a tidy deal going on $1 per month for six months. If you go to theathletic.com slash spin rate, get yourself a sweet deal. Let the powers that be know that you are coming here through us. We are all happy. We're all good. We're all ready for what is shaping up to be quite an exciting 2022 baseball season. If you are a fan of the Toronto Blue Jays or just a fan of good times, because that seems like is going to be riding shotgun with the Blue Jays. <laughs> The whole way. But we couldn't have any of these things happen, of course, if there was not a deal made to get baseball going again. Um, 
the brass tacks. I don't think we do. We need to get into them. Do we need? They're there. They are what they are. We're gonna. I think we'll see over time. You know, there there are the the wage the the wage increases, the minimum, the the, the league minimum, the pre arb money rule changes here and there um the extra the steve cohen tax added in at the top of the of the luxury tax uh there are some probably some little intricacies within the cba that might reveal themselves over time i know Eno wrote about um the option the change in the option rules that might keep mm-hmm. a team like the Rays from shuttling guys back and forth all day long i don't know caitlin what before we get into the into the the meat here uh if you can think back to what was seems like an eternity ago uh, and, and thinking about what uh, about the deal and, and about the, the the new collective bargaining agreement between the league um, and the players, which ended the lockout. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, ult- ultimately they got close to sort of just meeting in the middle, which I think we were all sort of like hoping that that would be the end point. I think that um, that that there was some fear that the longer it went, especially if it went long enough that then there was no possible way to get 162, that it might get even more complicated because the players obviously would want full service time and full pay. And the the owners would not want to offer that because they're not playing a full season and they're not. Um, And so I think that at the point that it happened, it, it did feel like it, it needed to happen in that whatever it was like whenever it was, 24 hour, 48 hour, 72 hour window, however it was, however long mm-hmm. it was extended, it kind of had to, it did have an endpoint at a certain point where it did have to happen. And so I was glad that I did, but I, I think it, it also was like, it didn't seem like the players completely sort of like capitulated. You know, I think they got a lot of what they wanted, not everything, of course, but that's the way negotiations happen, especially with two parties as, um, you know, as strong as they were. So um, I think the players, like you mentioned, achieved a lot of things they wanted to in terms of raising the minimum salaries, um, establishing that bonus pool for pre-arb players, which is going to get some of those younger players a little bit of extra money. Like, uh, you know, if Vlad, for example, if that had been around last year, he would have got himself a nice check of a, a couple million dollars, basically. So that would have been nice. Um, the CBT, you know, went up enough. Did it go up as much as the players wanted? No, but it went up more than the than the owners were suggesting. So again, it's kind of meeting in the middle. You, you alluded to the Steve Cohen tax. Um, so I think, you know, it was a deal that the players can be um, – you know, very satisfied with, I think. And obviously you saw that in, in the sort of how they voted to, to put it through. I mean, mm-hmm. interestingly, the executive council of it um, did not vote for it, but the majority of team reps and, and they represent teams did vote for it. And so obviously it passed through. And, and so, you know, I think it's really good. And I think a lot of players um, were really eager to get started, you know, as I've obviously been down in Dunedin for a couple of days now and saying hello to players again. And um, often I'll say to them, how was your off season? And almost, almost every guy has said to me too long. So mm-hmm. the, the players were eager to get back. And so I think that once they saw that they had, you know, raise the CBT. The they got sort of the minimums they were looking for. Even the uh, the uh, international draft that 
was a bit of a contentious um, issue or, you know, it was an issue they wanted to sort of talk about more. Um, and that was what they, uh, you know, established. So they don't have to make that decision right now. They can kind of kick it down the road a little bit and sort of do their due diligence on that, figure out what to go, how to go about it. And then, you know, if they decide yes, then there's an international draft. If they decide no, then there's not. And then you get the, the comp picks come back or whatever. So, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, it, it Ultimately, most people are just happy with how it went down um, or how it ended. I should say not really how it went down. I think it, not many people are happy with how it went down. But uh, everyone's happy that baseball is back. Everyone's happy that baseball is back. Everyone's happy that transactions are back in a big way. Um, my only last thought on the on the on on the 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 labor situation is that while I understand and 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 can appreciate. Um, the rank and file, especially being eager to get back, being able, e- eager to to get back to baseball, get back to making checks, get back to getting into the into the the facilities and doing the things that needed to be do to be done. Um, I my hope is that that while they did meet in the middle, that the middle doesn't doesn't continue to shift, you know, in one in one direction as the owners are uh, increasingly skilled at finding baseball baseball adjacent revenue streams that the players don't necessarily have access to. But uh, nevertheless, baseball's back. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Whether or not the collective bargaining agreement changed the mentality of some teams, there's been a whole slew of moves. Cincinnati Reds, everybody must go. Reds making big deals, dumping, you know, uh, Eugenio Suarez uh, on the Mariners as part of the Jesse Winker trade. The Mariners, you know, being active, recognizing that they were a bit of a mirage last year. The Oakland A's trading everyone. With like starting with Matt Olson, big deal going to Atlanta, where then Olson signed an eight-year contract extension to be their first baseman, suggesting that Freddie Freeman is no longer their first baseman. Freddie Freeman suggesting as much with a heartfelt notes app post on social media, suggesting that he is no longer going to be a member of uh, of Atlanta, Atlanta's organization in the present or the future. Which is, uh, you know, twelve years, I believe. He's he was uh, Freddie Freeman played for Atlanta, and now his future is a little bit up in the air. Might it end up in Toronto? It seemed like that talk hit a fever pitch yesterday, only to have quieted down ever so slightly today because the Toronto Blue Jays got in on the Oakland A's fire sale and acquired third baseman Matt Chapman from Oakland in exchange for Kevin Smith, infielder. 
who we had Keith Law on last week, speaking of uh, in, in very uh, excited terms, talking about the belief of, of Kevin Smith's changes, um, that he could be an everyday contributor, a, a, a good one in the big leagues um, this year coming up in 2022. Kevin Smith on his way to Oakland. Zach Logue on his way to Oakland. Gunnar Hoagland, yes. first round pick yes. on his way to Oakland. And Kirby Sneed, uh, a guy with a good hair and beard combination but bad vibes uh if you are a the kind of person who's like what is this guy like on social media uh (laughs) you don't want to know straight up but the most important and uh, all four blue jays players not really any one of their of their everyday players and not one of their top prospects gunner hoagland obviously a a first round pick someone with a lot of cachet but matt chapman plays for the blue jays uh which is about as good a deal. There's all the, if you were ranking the potential Blue Jays offseason transactions, this one is probably a solid two. There's only one other that would have perhaps pushed it out of the top spot. But if you're a Blue Jays fan, you don't care about that right now. You're really excited. And what, Caitlin, why are you really excited if you are a Blue Jays fan that Matt Chapman now is the starting third baseman for this baseball team? Well, I'm also excited because, as you know, and I've talked about on this podcast, that I wrote like a fake trade for Matt Chapman. And Melissa Lockhart and I were like pretty close, okay? We had Kevin Smith on our deal. We had Zach Logan our deal. Um, We had a very similar structure because we also had like two pitchers. um, And yeah, so... It was, I can't remember exactly what we had, but I, I know we hit, we got pretty close to the point where I tweeted like, hmm, maybe the Blue Jays got some ideas for me. Um, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> anyway, now I'll be, now I, I certainly bragged about it a little bit today. I was like, hey, everyone. Anyway. Um, Trade prognosticator Caitlin McGrath checking <laughs> in here at, at Eaton. Yeah. So, but uh, other than that, uh, yes. And the thing is like a lot of what the Blue Jays have done this off season, um, uh, and, and and it's made my life fairly easy as they've they've done everything that like made complete sense that just perfectly fit with their roster. It's like they needed two pitchers. They needed one guy to kind of lead their rotation. Okay, Kevin Gosman, he's in. Okay, they needed another guy to kind of be that fifth starter. Okay, you say Kikuchi, he's in. We'll talk about him a little bit later. And it's like they need a guy that replaces Marcus Simeon. That's going to be hard to find. But if they're going to find it, you know they could really upgrade third base. That's been a bit of a revolving door the last couple of years. They need to find a third baseman. And yes, you kind of alluded to, there's one guy that is the dream candidate. But I think after that, the next guy after that, who is a great fit is Matt Chapman. The only thing that Matt Chapman doesn't do that the Blue Jays would love if he did was hit left-handed or switch hit. Um, He doesn't do that. He hits from the right side. But other than that, um, he hits on sort of everything that the Blue Jays could really use. I mean, I, I, he's, if he's one of the best, if not the best, um, third baseman in baseball, he's right up there and he's been like that for years and doesn't look like there's any decline coming. He's just, he's, I mean, I've seen him, um, not, not a ton, but enough. And like, I think Blue Jays fans are going to love watching his defense because I think Toronto fans, um, they really love watching some some good defensive plays, and obviously everybody like knows Josh Donaldson, and everybody loved watching him, and obviously his season was incredible for his offensive skills as well. But um, you know, it's it's really fun to watch uh, an infield that is really sharp defensively, and I think that Matt Chapman will lift that entire 
infield. He will help Bo a lot with his range. They can position Bo a little bit differently. He will help Vladdy a lot be a a, a better first baseman because his throws are going to be online and he's so he's going and he's going to help whoever's playing second base because those guys whether it's Biggio or Espinal probably those two well they're going to be playing a position that they're more comfortable in especially when it, we're talking about Biggio so um you know that's the defense that's what he's going to deliver and then he's also a, a good offensive player I mean has he struck out more often in the last couple of years, yes, like the strikeouts have gone up, but he also has a lot of power. Um, earlier in his career, like, you know, 2018, 2019, he was sort of like all-star um, caliber, like down ballot MVP guy. Like he's had some really, really great seasons in Oakland. And so, um, you know, there's a, so there was some talk. I know like Melissa kind of had wrote about it and told me about it. And I think Keith Law did um, a piece up today on the trade and kind of evaluating the trade. And he also mentioned that um, Matt Chapman had hip surgery the end of 2020 season, September 2020 mm-hmm. season. Um, and um, it's uh, a, I think the same surgery that uh, Buster Posey got whenever he got the hip it. labrum, yeah. Yes. So, um, you know, that's a, a not insignificant kind of surgery. And so there's just maybe some speculation, just wondering if that maybe had some lingering impacts on him um, last season. Uh, but yeah, like I think, I mean, what are your, I, th- I think it was a great trade. And it, obviously, like I said, I've written about it in the off season in, this, in the sense of like, I think this would be a good fit for Toronto. And I think it's a good fit for Oakland. I mean, we talked about it with Keith Law, um, like you said, and I talked to a couple, well, one Blue Jays player, Kevin Biggio, and he mentioned like, he was so happy for Kevin Smith. I mean, he'll miss him as a guy and as a teammate, mm-hmm. of course. But I mean, Kevin Smith was a little bit boxed out in Toronto and like Keith was sort of raving about him that he could be an everyday guy or he at least he should be given the chance to be an everyday guy to show what he can do. I mean, he's getting older. He's been a prospect. He's gone up all the levels he can go up. So he kind of needed a chance. With Oakland, he'll get it. He'll be an everyday player, I think, right away. And that's a great mm-hmm. opportunity for him. Even the other guys, too. I mean, Kirby Sneed could get in their bullpen. Um, Zach Lowe could probably start for them or at least be in the conversation for them. Um, so it's a good trade for both sides, I think. It's a good trade for the Blue Jays because they got Matt Chapman. Like we don't even have to talk really about the return because he does the things that they needed done, which is that he plays third base exceptionally well. And even when he's not good, he's still a league average hitter, which is like ceiling for Santiago Espinal and Kevin Biggio in particular. But mm-hmm. as you mentioned, he is a truly exemplary uh, third baseman. Ed Sprague, who was, um, who obviously former Blue Jay that's Bragg, who now works in the A's um, organization, said he's the best defensive player that the Blue Jays have ever had, which is baloney. But he said it nonetheless. <laughs> Whether or not it's true, it's the kind of thing that he said and meant. So, I mean, he, but he, he is truly a ridiculous, insanely good third baseman. And it's funny that we mentioned Josh Johnson because I don't know if you remember when Josh Johnson came over um, there were questions about his defense because he had a tendency to make errors. Um, he had some a few throwing errors. He obviously Josh Johnson's thing was trying to make too many plays, and in Oakland there were too many opportunities to make too many plays because of all the spacious foul territory. So maybe you want you maybe you believe that that Chapman's numbers are goosed a little bit in terms of his def- defensive numbers because he is able to track down foul balls and whatever. But you mm-hmm. don't have to watch him play for very long to realize that he is he's as good as it gets over there. He's he's as good as 
as Nolan Arenado. He's as good as Manny Machado. He's as good as anybody who's who's played third base and 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 his the defensive numbers. If you look at it, you know uh, it's above average. Any of those sorts of uh, you know defensive plus minus uh, DRS uh, UZR whatever. All that stuff supports it. And the awards that he's won, the Platinum Glove Awards and the Gold Gloves, like they, it's not, these are not your, your slightly older brother's gold gloves. Like there's a lot more defensive meat on that bone as opposed to being like, you're the most famous guy at that position. So that is a huge boost to the Blue Jays. And I think I really agree with the point that you made that, that I hadn't necessarily considered, which is like the impact on the other guys around him. Kevin Biggio, or sorry, Bobby Shett, a lot of questions have been asked maybe about his defense, especially at the beginning of the year last year. And I mean, this is a guy who's played beside at different times, uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Kevin Biggio, who are not third basemen either of them you know we all love Vlad but like we can be real about it for a minute <laughs> and and especially if you look at the outs about the outs above average and you look at the stat cast breakdown of where Bichette has um cost him cost his team a lot of runs and it's on balls that are coming in and my where where my mind goes in that is that he's been he was forced to play a lot deeper because he's got to make up a lot more space so if they have a, an excellent rangy guy with a crazy hose playing third base you you allow Bichette to shift in a position where he's his his strengths are right where he can then go back a little bit or he and mm-hmm. he can go up the middle and you don't have to worry maybe so much about the about the um the arm strength which sometimes was a bit of a question arm strength slash accuracy last year so that is a huge impact on the Blue Jays but then you talk about you know the one of there was a graphic that was out making its way on Twitter uh Twitter today and it was looking at Hyunjin Ryu's ground balls you know how many of them go to the left side and what a just a boon it is having somebody over there to to just suck up all that all those grounders and turn them into outs and and it's just it's exactly what they needed to stop leaking runs to to st- to uh, to give a guy like Hyunjin Ryu and then uh uh you say uh Kukichi sorry I didn't say his name right at all uh giving them huge opportunities to to make to get outs and and give them innings and it's huge and now the fact that he hits right and is like a kind of big power guy doesn't that's never a bad thing but again he this is last year he struck out 200 times and he was still a league average hitter he's jacked up his walk rate and and hits for a lot of power and but the difference is on this toronto blue jays team he doesn't need to hit any higher than like sixth in the order even that might be too high and that's huge that's huge so he can come up with guys on base. He can come up and, and if he is still searching for his swing or if he is kind of a boomer bust guy, um, you can, or, or, or in, uh, with the ability to draw a walk, that just like gives the Blue Jays different, uh, different facet because outside of Kevin uh, Biggio as an example, whose name I've said too many times for, for this podcast already, they don't draw a lot of walks. So that's something that like a different dimension that, uh, that Chapman that Chapman brings and just a different way of his, for him to build his production. So it's a huge, huge move. And uh, let me ask you. So, I mean, it's a good trade for both teams and Gunnar Hoagland. It, there's always so much uncertainty. It's a new, relatively new thing where you can trade guys who just got drafted right in, in you know, just this last year. There were people I saw online saying the Blue Jays gave up nothing. And I don't know that that's true. But I'm more inclined to say that they gave up nothing than they paid a high price to get Chapman. So I don't know. Do you think is 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 that is that a bit maybe a bit harsh to say they gave up nothing to 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 make this deal? Yeah, I, I think it's certainly harsh to say they gave up nothing. 
Um, but I mean, I was reading, like I said, Keith Law, who's a good person to read for these types of trades because he knows what exactly is going back in terms of the prospect capital. Um, and he thought it was a bit of a buy low on Chapman and whether it was, I mean, do the A's have other numbers and have the, like, do they know something that we maybe don't know publicly about the way that, um, Chapman was trending? But like, I mean, everything that's out there that we can see and like Keith Law again wrote about this, it was like, there's nothing in there that suggests that, um, it's irreversible kind of downward trend. Like, you know, there's things that, um, suggest that he could kind of get back to where he was and like the defense isn't going anywhere any, anyway either. So I don't know, like maybe it was truly just the A's really needed to shed salary and they were just trying to get, um, you know, trying to get some of those guys like off their books. Maybe they were like really satisfied with how they did with Olsen and they were just really trying to get this Chapman trade done. And maybe the Blue Jays were the only ones that were like real players. I mean, I, it's hard for me to think right now, like who else needs a third baseman? Um, I mean, obviously the Yankees just got Josh Donaldson and I don't know what, who else is kind of out there, but maybe the Blue Jays were really just the best offer that they were getting and they just wanted to get it done. And, um, you know, like Kevin Smith, I think he, I, I, like, I don't know his defense well enough. I haven't seen him enough to know, um, what it's going to be. I, I doubt it's Chapman level. I mean, that's kind of like a special talent. Um, and, but you know, he was, if you're looking at Keith Law's, um, prospect uh, uh evaluations or rankings i mean he was a top five prospect and so was Gunnar hoagland so that's two top five prospects going the way of oakland for um chapman so um and you know zach Logue for their purposes is useful because he can pitch now and so can kirby sneed and they need to field a team and kevin smith mm-hmm. can get in the lineup right now as well and maybe kevin smith develops into something i mean um so, you know, I don't think it was a huge price. Uh, I think the Blue Jays paid more for Brios, but I even, I, I think even the Brios one was pretty reasonable for the Brios trade looks a lot better now just because we know Brios is sticking around for seven years. Um, but I mean, at mm-hmm. the time it was a pretty heavy price. Um, but, uh, and so I think this one is a little bit, a little bit less. Um, but also, you know, it's a different player. It's a different position. And, and Chapman is coming off a down year, whereas Brios was, kind of always has good years basically. And um, so, so yeah, but I it mean, was no. during the season two, right. Where there's yeah. like that little bit of extra kind of price. Yeah. Maybe you, you pay and, a little bit of a higher tax. And honestly, we've never, well, I guess if we shouldn't say I've never, we've never seen trades in spring, like they, they happen, but they're not exactly common. And and so there is a sense of urgency. I would assume from the A's to get this trade done. Mm-hmm. Um, and before the season starts and, and get that all figured out. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like the blue Jays or Ross Atkins talked to us today and sort of said, that this conversations about this deal had started prior to the lockout. They had had these initial conversations with um, Oakland and then obviously the lockout um, shut everything down. And then, you know, starting pretty recently when everything started back up, they re-engaged in those, in those conversations. And obviously they heated up enough that the trade went down on, on Wednesday morning. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not necessarily like one that immediately likes to try judge trades as you know, winners and losers. And especially in baseball, you tend to have to wait. And like, you know, Gunnar Hogland was a, a guy that fell in the draft only because he had Tommy John. And I think he was expected to go a lot higher in the draft. Um, he was, he's a really kind of polished college pitcher 
that's kind of a guy that Oakland could really use as well, especially if they're not trying to do a, a long rebuild. They're trying to sort of do a, a quick retool and try to get competitive again with the, the way that Oakland usually does. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's. It, I think we'll have to wait a few years to see how this trade goes down. But, I mean, the Jays did win the, the last uh, A's, Jays third baseman trade, I think. So maybe this one will be similar. I think that I, I, someone mentioned that to me. Like, is this really close to the other trade? Like, it seems like all the, a lot of the pieces fit to the Josh Donaldson trade. And I think we're also forgetting, like, what um, the level of success that Brett Laurie had experienced at the big league level at the time of the trade. Obviously, he had had his insane, you know, year early on, um, you know, when he, when he, um, uh, you know, first sort of landed. But then he had been through a couple, you know, kind of rough patches or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I really think that the Hoagland, uh, Hoagland piece is, is kind of the, the wild card. It's, it's so hard to tell because he hasn't pitched at the prof- at a professional level yet. He hasn't been in there and, and facing, you know, a double A or, or whatever kind of wherever they they will end up uh, slotting him in. So it'll be really interesting to see. And and I think, uh, yeah, it's just it's a really great trade. It's, it sends all the right signals. And I think that maybe the the they didn't give up anything. It's that they didn't give up anything that was going to be they didn't give up any impact players from the 2022 team could Kevin Smith have come along and like made a difference. Sure. That, that could have been fun. I mean, there's the second base position is, is still relatively wide open. Um, but, uh, they did well to lock down third base. One, one more question. Actually, I'll ask you and then we can move on. So somebody talking about, you know, the idea of, of the blue Jays looking to extend chat, Matt Chapman did that doesn't, to me, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? I think you got two, there's two years until Matt Chapman is eligible for free agency. Um, come on in Matt Chapman. Maybe you want to sign into like one of those two year deals. He's probably going to get what nine and a half, nine million bucks this year in arbitration probably means what 12 next year, 12 or 13. So if you say, Hey, Matt Chapman, let's do 221, 222. Send you on your way, and then uh, we'll we'll see what happens at the end of twenty twenty three. That's that's probably how I would go about it if I was uh, if I was running the Blue Jays. I don't know what you think how you would approach the future with Matt Chapman. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting question, and obviously the Blue Jays have made moves similar to that. Like they've brought a guy in, and they've kind of shown them shown him around the organization a little, and wooed him, and then uh, inked him to to a deal. Obviously, like the Brios one is pretty long, seven years. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I guess it. I think Chapman is a Boris client, if I'm if I'm uh, correct. So. An extension seems unlikely in that mm. instance. Um, obviously, Boris clients typically like to go to market, um, understandably so, because he usually he usually gets them a pretty good deal and it's worth it. So, um, you know, on the one hand, uh, Scott Boris and the Blue Jays have completely, you know, mended that relationship over the last few years. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's probably no question anymore about whether whether there is absolutely no question um, whether Boris clients will come here because Kikuchi was one as well. Um, so uh, I think it's a it's an interesting thought, but knowing knowing uh, I don't know if you're looking it up, but I'm pretty sure I'm right that he's a Boris client. I could look it up. I haven't yet. <laughs> oh, I thought you, you I took, looked like I, I was. I, I was. I took it. And I, I took your word for it. <laughs> now uh, I'm like. Uh, now I'm doubting myself, but I think I'm right. You shouldn't. You shouldn't doubt yourself. Go roll with it. You know. Feel feel confident in your in your <laughs> belief that match. Uh, no. Okay. Confirmed. 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 Good. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think it's. Uh, 
I'm almost mad at myself now for for bringing it up too because I think that this is this is that's who cares realistically who cares the blue he he is not doesn't have the ability to become a free agent for two more years the Blue Jays brought him in with that in mind because they're trying to win the World Series and they now have a very very good third baseman someone who can lock down the defense as well as providing you know baseline uh, right now maybe league average uh, projects to be much better and also has a, a much higher ceiling again this is a guy whether or not you you say oh he's his, he's been in decline the last three years he's his his uh his way to runs created plus or ops plus whatever you want to do is 120 so 20 percent better than league average over the last three years whether or not that was a is a sliding scale or headed trending in the wrong direction uh again it feels it, there's 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 so much to work with and the defense is gives him just such an absolutely sky high floor um that uh it's it's a it's a it's a rare skill set that not many people have to, to be this good a defender and this is something that the blue jays don't have the blue jays don't have any good defenders realistically now they got one off they go more spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors if you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is me mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, they did make another trade, another acquisition, I should say, that yes. you uh, you just mentioned off the top and you mentioned as another Scott Boris uh, client. You, uh, you say Kikuchi? Signed as a free agent from Seattle. Uh, that three years, 36 million bucks. Not bad. He throws hard. 
And that's about the end, the beginning and the end of it right now. There's there's a, obviously an overriding belief that there's going to be some Matt Bushman, Pete Walker, <laughs> pixie dust dri- uh, 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 drizzled on him and he'll be good to go. Um, but I think that it's more more to, important to think about the expectations and like what it is that they expect and want and hope from him as opposed to can they turn him into another Robbie Ray? Because that's not fair and not realistic and not necessarily the point even. No, and they, they don't need... I mean, I guess it would be nice if they turned him into Robbie Ray, but if they, he's got to be Cy Young, he's got okay. <laughs> um, but I mean, they, uh, they, you know, they brought him in, and they know he's sort of fitting at the back of the rotation. I don't, not to say the expectations are low for him or anything, but I mean, he's not really been brought in to carry the rotation. And I mean, to some extent, neither was Robbie Ray. It just kind of happened that way. But I mean, I wrote and I've likened it to like you know, Kevin Gosman came in. He is replacing the Robbie Ray of the rotation and and Kikuchi comes in and he's kind of replacing the state Steven Matz of the rotation and like you know Matz also had this bounce back year kind of flew more under the radar uh, because of what other pitchers were doing Robbie Ray and, and even Alec Manoa as well and so you know Steven Matz was just going out there every fifth day pretty much and giving the Blue Jays a chance to win and like you know his, his numbers were pretty good um he uh uh, he kind of delivered exactly what he had to. He and he, um, you know, had a good experience in Toronto, and he ended up making a lot of money from it because he had this this year. And you know, he did he did have success working with Pete and, and and Matt. And so, you know, maybe I think, and I've written this, and and we've talked about this. Like, it's unfair to just, just sort of label the Blue Jays pitching coaches as the, the you know these gurus that are just going to fix these guys. It's it's not really how it works. It's not that simple. Um, and certainly they want to improve on every guy. Um, it doesn't always work out. Um, there's going to be cases where it doesn't work out. And, and it's also a two way street. It's not just Pete and Matt saying, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to do this. It's like the pitchers got to completely buy in. And I know with Robbie Ray, for example, I mean, he did completely buy in to it and he was kind of seeing eye to eye to them and was really willing to, you know, hear what they were saying and do it. And there were other, there were other things that Robbie Ray did as well were kind of separate to that. I mean, he kind of bulked up so he could throw harder and have better kind of endurance on the mound. He did a lot. So like, you know, I haven't been around Kikuchi long enough um, to sort of know what he's done in the off season and know like how, what, well, you know, what he's doing to come in. But I mean, he did say in his press conference that we had a couple days ago that he did kind of sort of spend the off season, um, you know, improving on some things, kind of trying to figure out what went wrong for him in the second half. Obviously in the first half, he was an all-star um, and then he, you know, he pitched it and Blue Jays fans will remember well, like he pitched really well against the Blue Jays. I believe it was on Canada Day when they were in Buffalo and um, they, I think it was like he held them to one run or something and um, over seven innings. So the Blue Jays know that he can be really good. Um, they obviously see a lot there. Like you said, he throws really hard. He has a good mix of pitches. He's got some secondary weapons that he can use. Um, but obviously in the second half we saw, which has been sort of a, an issue for him, an ongoing issue for him is this lack of consistency, whether it's just inconsistent overall, whether it's like from start to start, um, there's not that consistency. I've, I've read and heard that his, um, velocity can waver from start to start as well. And so, um, obviously the Blue Jays, um, will have kind of known that they've obviously been studying him. I think they were on him pretty early on. They liked him back in 2018 when he was getting posted by his Japanese team and they've liked him all off season. So I think they've been kind of studying him all along. They kind of know what they want to do with him. And he kind of knows what went wrong for him a little bit. 
uh, in the second half of last year. So he's kind of said he was, you know, f- tweaking or working on some things with his mechanics. And he, he knows he needs to be more aggressive on the mound and more aggressive with his fastball. It's the best pitch for him. Kind of, he kind of goes, he goes with his fastball, so to speak, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. like Robbie, right? Yeah. Yeah. And actually it's funny. I think I saw this, someone had tweeted this and then I looked for my, I looked myself and actually on baseball savant, if you look when they show at the bottom of pitchers profile, sometimes they show comparable pitchers, similar pitchers, yeah, similar pitchers. And actually, if you look at uh, Kikuchi for velocity and movement, one of the, the similar pitchers is Robbie Ray. It's true. I believe you. Yeah, there are similar <laughs> pitches to you say Kikuchi based on velocity movement. Robbie Ray, Danny Duffy, Colby Allard, Patrick Sandoval, Dan Norris, another former Blue Jay. Um, it's interesting. So, like you said, all star, but there wasn't a lot of like hype necessarily, a lot of like energy around him coming out of this season. Um, because in terms of money, he got pretty close to what Stephen Matz did. Yeah, got, he right? did. Stephen, Stephen Matz got eleven million AAV uh, for four four uh, four years, forty four, yeah. and Kikuchi gets three thirty six of so twelve million, but but not that fourth year. Yeah. Um, maybe if you're a Blue Jays fan, would you have preferred? Would you have is is it, maybe not a question of either or, but do you think Blue Jays fans should feel better about Kikuchi versus Matz, or is that not that's not necessarily fair? Um, I, I I'm wondering. I think that, that Kikuchi has uh, maybe more upside than Matz. I think mm-hmm. he just throws that little bit harder, and maybe there's like a little bit of extra juice there. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I also I mean like on the one hand, if you're Blue Jays fans. Stephen Matz, you might feel more comfortable because maybe you know what you're getting a little bit. But, like, mm-hmm. obviously, Stephen Matz has had his up and down years as well. And, like, you know, the Blue Jays um, had him as, as at one of his best years. Um, mm-hmm. as, I guess one of his best years since, like, the rookie season or since his early seasons. Um, and Kikuchi is a bit more of an unknown. And he's really only been in the league for three years. And, obviously, one of those seasons was a shortened season. And it was a difficult season for everyone. So um, there is a bit more unknown with Kikuchi just in general. And then just like also from a Blue Jays perspective, not having seen him a ton. Um, but I w- would agree with you that there's probably more upside there. Um, I think he, th- well, I always think Matt doesn't throw hard. And I'm always like, oh, he, he does throw 95. He, he, yeah. yeah, yeah, But I think maybe um, Kikuchi can get up there a bit more. I think Kikuchi can max out a little harder um, than Steven Matz can. And and mm. I think it's a different kind of, I mean, he's got like a cut fastball and he's got a different, few different second, uh, like pitching weapons and secondary weapons that he can use. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, like whether it's Steven Matz or Kikuchi, I mean, like mm. they got someone, they got, they got a fifth starter. I think that mm. they will be, you know, there's a lot to work with. And so I think Blue Jays fans should just be happy. And the thing is too, like the depth is pretty good and you've got, you know, if Kikuchi is struggling, is wavering a little bit, pair him up with Nate Pearson, you know, like, you know, piggyback them together or throw in Ross Stripling for a start or two, or, you know, the Blue Jays have some options to be creative a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some depth there that they can experiment with. So I would say more than anything else though, the difference between, you know, the names we've been throwing around Robbie Ray and Steven Matz, you know, Blue Jays signings is those guys were bargain, not bargains, but like they signed Robbie Ray for 8 million bucks. Right. So they, sorry, they traded for him and then re-signed him for 8 million bucks. They, they gave away, 
Um, not a lot, you know, very much like peripheral guys in their 40 man roster to the Mets to get Steven Matz. Mm-hmm. This is a different kind of commitment because it's a different kind of expectation. And while, as you said, the expectation isn't that he's going to be a, a, the ace. The expectation shouldn't be for anyone that the Blue Jays are going to come in. They're going to make some tweaks. They're going to look at him and see something that no one else has seen. There should be no expectation that that's what they're after. But they have, have invested more in him to do the things they need him to do as opposed to just looking at, you know, as, as a stopgap. Like this is, this is, this is, we want to win the World Series shit. That's what this is. This is because mm-hmm. they, they could have done the same thing that they did last year. They could have been out there crate digging for the next Steven Matz or the next Robbie Ray, where they would have committed fewer resources to acquire somebody with maybe a, with a larger variance in terms of their uh, of, of output. I think that they've they've committed. They're like we we. At the at a base level, at the worst case not worst case scenario, but like even if we can't coach him up a little bit, what he offers is already something that's appealing to us to the point that we're going to give him a three year contract worth thirty six million dollars. That should speak loudly to you if you're a Blue Jays fan, and I don't think that it gives him any guarantees as well. That's that's the other side that it gives it gives they have insurance for. Uh, Kikuchi, they also Kikuchi can serve as also other insurance if Hyunjin Ryu is is injured or or underperforming, or Alec Manoa has a sophomore slump, whatever. Like they're not they're insulating themselves from from disaster as best they can without with more than just flyers. And to me, that's really exciting if you're a Blue Jays fan because that's that's a team that wants to win the World Series. They straight up, that's what they want. Like we, well, it'd be nice if they made, we, you know, a year ago you and I sat here in the infancy of this show and we're like, oh, it'd be nice if they made the playoffs. I don't think it'd be a disappointment. Uh, and, and I don't think anyone would consider 2021 a disappointment, even though they did not, in fact, make the playoffs. But obviously we're a terrific team that that won a ton of games and was really exciting and fun to watch. They're put, positioning themselves as like, if we don't make the the playoffs for real, for real, for real, it's going to be a disappointment. And they're not... They're not, there's no shrugging. There's no like, man, you know, like this is, this is what a team going all in looks like, right? With these moves. They're not, they're not reckless. They're not crazy. But this, a commitment of this kind of money, even though it is only money and they got all, they got more than God if they wanted it. Mm -hmm. It's a powerful sign. It's a powerful signal to the rest of baseball and to you as a blue, if you were listening to this and you're a Blue Jays fan, because they're not fucking around. Like this is this three years and thirty six million dollars to a thirty year old uh, guy who had some really bad starts in the second half of the season is not them screwing around. They want to win, and this is a, the kind of move that a winning team would make. That they're willing to take on the risk of of, of him, you know, wasting some of their money in twenty twenty four because they want to win the World Series in twenty twenty two. And I think that's pretty sweet. Yeah, and that deal. I mean, obviously, you like there, there's a danger that that Kikuchi deal, if he doesn't pan out, if the con- inconsistency continues, and and you know, it's just, it's it's not something that he can ever get completely on track. I mean, there's a danger in that deal not looking dissimilar, although a bit shorter than the Tanner Rourke deal. Um, but there's also a scenario where it it looks. I mean, not like an equivalent of the Robbie Ray thing, because like you said, it was a one-year deal and it was a little bit cheaper um, at eight million. But I mean, there's also that that could go that the Kikuchi deal could go that direction, and that it it does look like um, a big upside bet on him, and uh, you know, it, it does look like a, a good move for them. And so, it remains to be seen. It could go either way, but certainly any deal could go anyway. 
you know, we talk about Matt Chapman and I mean, at least Matt Chapman, you know, that the defense isn't going anywhere. It certainly doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like it's going anywhere, but so that is probably enough for that deal to be fine. But, um, you know, the, the, the offense could continue to go down and maybe the deal doesn't look so good the following year, but as you say, to your point, the deal will look just fine if the Blue Jays win the uh, 2022 World Series. It really, really won't matter. <laughs> uh, two other things about you about see Kikuchi. He is uh, famous to me for he had just come over and signed with the Mariners. And he, when the Seattle started the season in Tokyo, playing the opening series in 2019? Yes, yeah. 2019. When Anichiro retired and, and Yusei Kikuchi was there and he was crying in the dugout. Oh, yeah. And it was the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Also, um, uh, he is from the same town as Shohei Otani. So when the Blue Jays go there, do their full court press to recruit Otani to come, they have an ace in the hole. They got Kikuchi right there to be like, Shohei, come, come. Let us be friends. Um, <laughs> any other stuff we can talk about? We haven't talked. And again, there's still there were the rumors today that the Blue Jays were going are still pursuing Jose Ramirez. There's still the Freddie Freeman thing out there. Caitlin, what else was the kind of scuttlebutt there in Dunedin? And what else? What else do you have coming for us? What is on your radar um, in the next uh, days and weeks as the Blue Jays get ready to uh, launch into the spring training season? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. Like, Ross Atkins talked to us today to go over or comment on the Chapman deal. But obviously, after commenting on that, you know, other questions were like, sort of, what's next? Are you guys kind of satisfied with what you've done? Or, you know, those sorts of questions. And, and you know, the the tone of Ross, like, it was, it was quite different from because, like, when we talked to him the day earlier or whatever, it was like, he was very kind of like, sure that they were going to make it an, an addition, you know, and that, at that mm. point, the Freddie Freeman stuff was still swirling a lot. And, and Ross sort of said pretty, pretty openly, like I, it's, it's unlikely that we don't bring in a position player. And like, we, you know, so we kind of knew at that point, okay, obviously more deals are coming in and it, they still needed an infielder. So it was like pretty clear that they needed to make another move. And then after this one, I mean, like I said, like the only thing that Matt Chapman doesn't have is that he he's not left-handed and so if you're Mm -hmm. trying to build the ideal blue jays roster um you know or at least check off all the things they needed to do this offseason maybe the one thing they haven't addressed yet has been that left-handed bat um and so are they going to add i mean the sense from ross today was more or less like we're still looking around we're still open to improving our club but at the same time we're kind of happy with what we've done so i'm not sure if that's just kind of tamping down on some expectations right now i don't know if it's like just they feel down freddie freeman's price <laughs> they feel just like, the, he's a savvy shrewd negotiator <laughs> yeah so i don't know like if it's also just maybe things that they had been working on seem like they've maybe hit a dead end and he doesn't think anything's imminent but that could also change and these things do happen right teens call back and say hey remember when we were talking about this guy or or mm-hmm. agents call back and say, actually, on on second thought. So um, I'm not willing to say, like, the Blue Jays are done. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they don't make any more moves, any more significant moves. Maybe they wait. Maybe they wait to see how their roster looks and see. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some in-season trades they can make. Um, and so we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, but, uh, 
I think that they. Sorry, I, I I cut you off. Go ahead. No, I I didn't have anything else. Kind of just that, that was that was my sense that you were you were you were you were wrapping just it up. Fill in, um, fill in space with my voice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they have the opportunity to take a bit of a flyer. So do sort of what we talked about with Robbie Ray and even Matts um, with a low risk, high reward offensive player. Like somebody that they can be like, hey, you know, go nuts. Let's see what you what you want to do. It, it because their offense is so good, and and maybe I'm it's my simplistic old boomer brain because you look at the Blue Jays lineup and it's so right handed, um, which is I don't think of super. You know, we, they have two legitimately great hitters in the in in the lineup. They have like four very good hitters, maybe three very good hitters. They've got a ton of offense, right? So they can afford to be like, oh, let's take a flyer on this left-handed bat just for the sake of having one, just because it'll probably make the manager happy. Because, you know, no matter how savvy you are, everyone wants to see a bit of a, throw some different looks at the other team. Um, If it's Freddie Freeman, obviously there's been some, (laughs) even even Joey Votto talk, right? Which is mostly fan-driven, but with the Reds being in the state that they're in, trading everybody, uh, including uh, Sonny Gray, uh, Amir uh, Garrett, they traded today. Uh, Joey Votto voiced some kind of disappointment given the state of the team and, and where he is in his career. Uh, at this point now, just two years and an option left on his contract. If that's something that that bothers you, it should not. Um, but, you know, I think you see, look at Kyle Schwarber got a four-year deal from the Phillies. So that's, that, that's more than I expected for him. Um, he's good, and he had a great season. He deserves to have gotten that money. But there was he was so heavily connected to the Blue Jays, and I could sort of understand why they maybe that why why Ross Ross Atkins might have been like maybe we're good because four years for Schwarber is a lot um, uh, considering he doesn't really have a position. So it'll be interesting to see where where the Blue Jays do land. Yeah, uh, call me call me old fashioned. I would love to see a, a left handed bat in there uh, if it was a great one like Freddie Freeman's. If it was a still great uh, one who also grew up like. 15 kilometers from the ballpark. Uh, that would helps too. Do you have any um, non, could, non-Canadian hmm. suggestions of players? So Freddie Freeman is not, <laughs> I, I don't even consider, uh, my thing with Freddie Freeman was like, it was a joke that I kept calling him a great Canadian Freddie Freeman because he played for Canada. And I thought it, I, I didn't think he was as Canadian as he has actually turned out to be in my He's in, pretty Canadian. I mean, his, both He's, his parents are Canadian. Right? They were both, both, I just said both like a real Canadian. Um, <laughs> they. Fucking A, but they're both good Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, no, but yeah, Freddie Freeman's pretty Canadian. I mean, like, he's pretty Canadian. Yeah, he just wasn't born here. But like, ha- had his dad not had a job in California, he would have been here. And so, I think he's got enough family or enough connections to Canada that um, he's a, he is a dual citizen, I believe. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I, I don't think I I. My impression was, uh, you may remember, he played for Canada at the World Baseball Classic. Yes. On those years, was that twenty seventeen? Um, and which was, I thought was so great. And he did it because he wanted to for his mom and that Canadian team was bad. And I've said this a hundred times and I'll say it again. It's like, I'll never forget. Freddie Freeman was the last batter in Canada in the game. Canada was eliminated in. They were down by, I don't remember. They were down by a few runs. Like it wasn't like he was going to win the game with one swing of the bat. The team was was really was pretty grim, you know. Guys coming back from retirement and whatever else, and then there's Freddie Freeman who played third base, if I remember correctly, for Canada in in that tournament. 
Um, and he, he kind of rolled over on a ground ball and Freddie Freeman in this meaningless tournament playing for a country that he's, you know, his parents are from, but he's obviously like a red blooded American. He busted his ass running down the, down the first baseline, the last out of the game in a game that they were getting killed and they were about to be eliminated. He ran so hard and I was like, watch that. And I will always remember it. I was like, fucking right. Freddie Freeman, great Canadian. Um, (laughs) And also a great hitter who was a 2020 NL MVP and like led the Braves, the, led Atlanta to the World Series in 2021. Atlanta won the World Series last year. That's so wild. I am um, surprised that this Freddie Freeman deal is not done yet. I mean, I, I don't think it's happening with Toronto, if I'm being honest. But um, no, but well, there was someone. Was it who was it? Was it Bowden that was saying today that there was some belief within the game that he that his team has overplayed their hand a little bit and like he's been playing a little bit uh, too much hardball um, and maybe is, is, is kind of pushed himself onto an island. God only knows. Uh, but I, I don't know who else is out there as like an eligible guy who is a better. The stupid thing about the Votto and Freeman thing is that they are perfect fits, right? Just like A, Jose Ramirez is a perfect fit. B, uh, uh, Matt Chapman is a, is a perfect fit. I mean, there's some people talk about Kettle Marte. Uh, sure. Uh, I I think you know Michael Conforto even is like a, is has a has potential as like a nice uh, outfielder. I, I do think they could use an up, an upgrade in terms of outfield uh, the defense. Maybe I don't know. You know who your everyone's mileage, Lourdes Gurriel mileage may may vary, and you know obviously it'll be it, that those need that fear will fade if if uh, George Springer is out there, you know, six days a week or five days a week for. At the beginning of the season, frankly, you know, considering the way that 2021 started. So the Blue Jays still have some work to do. But uh, it, it, let me ask you this, Caitlin. Is this the best team in the American League? In the entire American League? Um, I think it's the best team in the American League East. Mm-hmm. In the American League. Um, yeah. I will say that I saw Baseball Prospectus. Uh, I haven't got my my annual yet, but Pakoda uh, likes, really likes the Yankees and really liked the Yankees. After the Josh Donaldson acquisition and Anthony Rizzo, um, I'm not sure how much the, um, how much uh, Chapman would tip the scales towards the Blue Jays, but I, the Yankees fans are all losing their minds. The Yankees are run like a poverty franchise. I don't know. I, I don't think you're, I don't think you're off base by saying the Blue Jays are better than the Yankees. I guess I think like that's wait, pretty accurate. I think guess also we got to wait to see if the Astros bring back Correa because that could maybe mm. change some things. Well, the Orioles. Orioles offered him three hundred million bucks. So I think Carlos Correa should do the bold thing and sign with the totally toothless and harmless Baltimore Orioles. That's that's what I think Carlos Correa should do. Just open the door, throw it wide open, let your good friend George just stroll right on in to the American League pennant. <laughs> but it was true. I'm not making it up. It was a it was a real rumor. It's I a saw rumor. Something, somebody I, made it up. But I what? saw on Fangrass that the Orioles didn't have. Zero percent chance to make the playoffs this year. They had zero point two percent chance. So you know, there's a chance. All you need is a chip in a chair uh, in poker parlance. So that's uh, that's Cedric Mullins is the chip and the chair together. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Caitlin. What else you got? What else coming up? And we'll let you go and let everyone else go here uh, as we build off the excitement of the Blue Jays making a big deal. Baseball is back. Spring training is underway. And uh, we're we're having an earnest conversation about whether or not the Blue Jays is the best team in the American League. I can't remember the last time that's ever happened. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Twenty thirteen. What was that? What was that year that was supposed to be oh great? Boy. <laughs> you've you've you got to put some money in the jar. You you broke you broke the the cursed Josh Johnson uh, rule here on the show. 
<laughs> well, oh, it, was actually, it was actually funny. Someone asked Pete Walker the other day, like, is this the, is this, because he, because Pete Walker's been in the organization quite a long time now, mm-hmm. most tenured of the coaches, um, Louis Rivera as well, but Pete Walker's been around and uh, someone asked him, like, is this the, the, have you ever been at a camp with higher expectations than this? And he said, no, like, this is the highest expectations, but he did reference the 2013 team. He said, I, I was here in 2013, though, and we had pretty high expectations then. So I think, actually, <laughs> our our great friend John Lott wrote a book called Great Expectations on that with season. Shai Davidi. With Shai Davidi. Yeah. So um, anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mention the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the year we must not mention on this podcast, but <laughs> I mean, at the end of 2015, the Blue Jays were the best team in baseball. But it, yeah. we weren't we weren't having that conversation on uh, March the 16th of no, 2015. No. And then, like, obviously the the World Series that year got canceled, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah, you and I did work together <laughs> in, in 2015, but we were not doing a podcast. Yes. Anyway, wild stuff. Caitlin, what what else is coming for from you for the people this week? Um, well, I've been down in Dunedin doing some interviews. Um, I had a really good conversation the other day with Alec Manoa, so that story will come out in a few days, I'm sure. Um, Does the story describe in exacting detail his vibe? Because that's what I'm after. I need to know every bit of Alec Manoa's vibe up close because he is the vibiest dude I've ever seen in my entire life. And I just want to know if it translates in person. Oh, oh God. Yes. Yes. He's yes. He, the vibes are real. He, he told me, <laughs> he told me, and I think he told Hazel made this as well about when he found out the lockout was over, he called Ryu. But of course the time difference was such that it was like 5 AM in Korea <laughs> and he woke up Ryu <laughs> and, uh, so, but they, they're besties. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, so I'll have a story on, uh, Alec Manoa and, uh, whoever I talk to tomorrow, I'll have a story on them. So we'll see who it is. I look forward to reading all that stuff. You can too, of course, if you haven't subscribed already, go to theathletic.com slash spin rate, get yourself six months at $1 per month to read the whole lot. You can read it all. Everything that Caitlin writes, everything that Keith Law writes. You can even write about West Ham's amazing comeback in the home leg of the Europa League knockout or quarterfinals that's happening tomorrow that I'm just anticipating that we're all going to read about that. And you can, of course, subscribe to this show. Then we'll be coming at you hot and heavy and fast and furious in 2022 as the Blue Jays go in with great expectations, the greatest ex- expectations in a decade. Uh, but for now... So subscribe to the show so you can get all that stuff. For now, her name is Caitlin. My name is Drew. We will talk to you next time on Spinner.